Welcome back to Our Streets. Lynn Fisher and my buddy Kurt Elder is always at the control panel here. Hi, Kurt. Hello, Lynn. How's it going tonight? Great. Summer's still hanging in there, huh? You no, know, it is a beautiful day. It's been a beautiful week, and uh, I'm looking forward to this nice fall running whenever it decides yeah, to take I, a sweet time getting here. Well, I can't wait until it starts to cool off a little bit. I, I'm, I'm done with summer, <laughs> so too much for me. But we have right. on the show tonight, as always, a very interesting and... Um, <clears throat> very knowledgeable guest. We have with us Mindy Rush Chipman. And Mindy is the, I guess, fairly recently installed uh, head of the pack over at the Lincoln and Lancaster County Community uh, Commission on Human Rights. So I kind of messed that up, but we got it. Yeah, no, that's right, Lone. So I started as the director of Lincoln Commission on Human Rights January of this year. So I've been there for about eight months. Okay. Very good. And so, um, for our listeners, would you please kind of give us a little bit more of a, a background, where you came from, uh, where you went to school, maybe how you kind of made your way around through the world and got uh, got to the point where you're now director of the Commission on Human Rights. Can you give us some kind of a little bio, if you would, of please? Of course, of course. So I graduated from Lincoln High School, and my um, first professional job out of high school was I was a correctional officer at the Diagnostic and Evaluation Center that um, got me interested in human rights, civil rights. I got promoted to work in the law library, um, in the library there at DNE, and um, that's really what encouraged me to go to law school. I went to law school here in Lincoln, and um, most of my legal experience has been in nonprofit huh. law firms. Okay. So, um, although I did have my own law firm for a short period of time, most uh, most of my experience comes from working at Legal Aid of Nebraska, and then most recently the Immigrant Legal Center, formerly Justice for Neighbors Nebraska. And then, um, and then, as of January, you're the director at an important uh, organization. I know I've been uh, associated in one way or another with with the commission um, dealing with complaints and and uh, through the educational process that you you provide speakers we've had speakers come to our landlord association Rioma here in town so tell us uh, tell us what's what's new and different since the last time we talked to someone from your organization? What what have you been doing new and different than what we are maybe familiar with? Right. So Lynn and Kurt, as you know, the Lincoln Commission on Human Rights is a local agency here in Lincoln that uh, works to prevent and respond to legal, legal discrimination that's happening within the community of Lincoln. So basically, there's three different categories, uh, housing discrimination, employment discrimination, and public accommodation discrimination. Uh, public accommodation discrimination is if you're refusing service at a public uh, business here in town based upon something about yourself that you can't change, your race, religion, national origin, things of that nature. Um, same for employment and housing discrimination. If um, you are, if a term of your employment or an aspect of your housing is uh, affected based upon something about yourself that you can't change, then it's the Lincoln Commission on Human Rights that can help um, address that issue with an investigation, attempt to come to an agreement, to move forward, and things of that nature. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Yeah, so I'm just getting some more context here. So when we look at those three broad topics, housing, employment, public accommodation, looking at the past year or two, uh, which one uh, Which one of those takes up most of your time? That's a great question, and it actually answers Lynn's last question that I didn't get to, how have things been changing? Um, 
Predominantly, most of our cases are based on employment discrimination allegations. However, since I started with Lincoln Commission on Human Rights, I have noticed a trend that our housing discrimination allegations have significantly increased. Well, how do people find out that they have you as a resource? Do you do an outreach or how's, how's that happen? We do um, actually have an outreach coordinator. Um, our outreach coordinator does a really good job at making sure she's embedded in different community events throughout Lincoln. Um, we also host a civil rights conference every year in April and we try to reach a, a diverse audience through our conference to educate them not only about civil rights issues and hot topics but about the services that we provide. Um, and then you you know, like today, talking with you and Kurt um, is one way just to get the word out about our organization and what we can help with. Well, you know, as a landlord, and our listeners probably by now know that. I'm a well, landlord. I hope so, Len. I do. But it's interesting. I take calls occasionally from someone who s- tells me that, hey, I'm interested in renting from you. And by the way, I've got, you know, these kids and, and you know, do you take kids? And of course, I we love kids. And yes, absolutely. And then they tell me about you know, their experience with being told that somebody doesn't take their kids or doesn't want their kids. And and that's always concerning because, and, and then I tell them right up front, you know, that's illegal, that's discrimination, and you shouldn't allow that to, to happen and stand up for yourself and, uh, and ask them if they need some help in that regard. So we try to do our part. But, of course, um, it's amazing that people uh, out there, both, both the people that, that are looking for a place to live and the people that they're dealing with, are ignorant about the law and sometimes it's uh, it's you know they need some help sure and i think this might be just a really good segue into the impetus of how we got this great guest here tonight i had learned about a a up-and-coming training conference presentation for landlords on this very topic on fair housing right mindy that's right. And in fact, your um, involvement in our fair housing training extends back months when we were working together to try to um, obtain grant funding to provide landlord training in the community of Lincoln regarding fair housing issues. Unfortunately, we, we were not awarded that grant. Um, and so uh, our collaboration, I thought maybe had stopped, but no, it didn't <laughs> stop because... The it fact keeps of going. The, yeah, it keeps going. The fact of the matter is landlords do need fair housing education. And as Lynn mentioned, housing discrimination is happening in Lincoln, whether it's um, intentional. intentional or not. Yeah. Um, it still has an impact, and we want to make sure landlords have the education they need to prevent the discriminatory impact from happening. Um, a per- Lynn, the perfect example is a landlord that's trying to make a decision that he or she thinks might... Uh, be the safest. Um, but in making some of those decisions on behalf of a potential tenant uh, based about their familiar status or anything about them that they can't change is a violation of the Fair sure. Housing Act. So at the Lincoln Commission on Human Rights, what we're trying to do is make sure that landlords have the resources at their fingertips to get informed about these very complicated issues sometimes. Now, if, if a uh, uh, potential tenant, someone that's looking for housing, runs into a situation like the one I mentioned where they have kids and they've been told that kids aren't welcome or whatever. If they call your office, do you go into the full bore of a 
you know, 100% into this investigation? Or do you try to intervene maybe and try to help them smooth out something with someone who's ignorant about the law? Or how does that work? That's a great question. And the complaint process is really based upon the desire of the complainant. So oftentimes we get calls from uh, tenants or potential complainants, as well as landlords or potential respondents just wanting information. Mm -hmm. And that's our number one goal is make sure everyone who comes into contact with our office leaves with the information that they desire. Um, from the moment we come into contact with either party, the attempts to mediate or conciliate that um, friction between the two parties uh, begins immediately. For example, um, uh, we're able to engage in a, the mediation process and solve that potential conflict before the investigation is even started. So, you know, the, the intensity of the work that we do really just depends on uh, what the parties want and and what the situation mandates. Yeah. Now, I know in the past I've <clears throat> received correspondence related to a complaint. And is it ever possible that you could pick up the phone and just say, hey, I think there may be a misunderstanding. Uh, so, so, so this person was contacting you about applying. And maybe you don't know, for example, that you know familial status is a, is a protected class. Do you ever do that? Or is it always formal and in writing? Uh, again, the complainant really directs okay. the intensity so of the be. process. It could be either way. It could be. Um, Lynn and Kurt, as you know, another protection under the Fair Housing Act is the protection against retaliation. Sure. One way to... Um, ensure that a tenant has that protection um, against retaliation is at least starting the more formal process by drafting the complaint. But then at that point, instead of making the landlord or the potential respondent respond to the complaint, at that point, that's when we try to really conciliate the sure. disagreement and make the, make the complaint process stop at that point. So because of all this background information here, you're having this training. I'm sure we're going to get into more of this in the second half of the show, but tell us more about this training. When is it, time, places, and if people want to be involved, landlords, right? Because it's a landlord training. Tell us more about that. That's right. So we do offer tenant training as well. But this training that's coming up on Thursday from 1 to 3 p.m. at City Hall in um, our conference room, which is room 304 on the third floor of the City County Building, 555 South 10th Street. Um, this training is really geared towards housing providers. So um, landlords, property managers, um, real estate agents, anyone that works in uh, the field of providing housing to the community here in Lincoln is welcome to attend. Um, like I said, it's a two-hour training, but what we really try to do is give the basics of the Fair Housing Act, and then after that, gear the information that's most applicable to the attendees. So one of the hot topics um, in our community right now is reasonable accommodation. So if it's a, a tenant um, has a disability and they're requesting a reasonable accommodation, a lot of landlords are not sure on how to engage in that investiga investigatory process. So a lot of the training focuses on um, the current community needs, what the landlords are really wanting to know to make sure that they can run their business while at the same time preventing any allegations of discrimination. Can you give an example of an accommodation request? Um, yes. Yeah, so if a, a tenant is asking um, 
for a first floor unit instead of a third floor unit. That could be one common example. If um, a tenant is their source of income comes on a certain day of the month, however, rent is traditionally due on a day after or before that, an accommodation that is very typical is to ask that the rent is due on a date after the source of income is received. Um, also, there's a very um, there's an upsurge of requests for emotional support animals um, for folks, for tenants with disabilities. And so that's a lot of the examples we'll go into in the training is very case or scenario specific. Yeah. And that's a subject that really requires its own show. Well, <laughs> it does. And we might try to touch more on that just there in the second half, just to keep the, keep the listeners. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, nope. maybe touch it a little bit. There we so. go. Yeah. But um, so, Go ahead, Kurt. Yeah, if I may. So other accommodations that I've heard uh, through different conversations, through work, through friends, whatnot, is is then learning more about the process of, let's say that someone needs a modified bathroom and that they go through and they, they can pay for it, put it in, but the but what's the process of then you know, taking it out or leaving it in? Are those things that you cover as well? Yes. Um, so requests for uh, modifications are also covered. And so, for example, the modification um, has to be provided at the tenant's expense. And then when the tenant ends the tenancy or, or moves out of the unit, they have to restore that unit to the way it was originally, unless the landlord likes the modifications, feels like it would be a benefit to their business to keep the modifications, that's okay as well. But if the landlord does not want the modifications to remain, it's the tenant's responsibility to remove. Just along the same thing, before we take that break, just I'm just curious. If the landlord did like that modification, would that be something that he would then reimburse for? Or is that just up to him and the, and the partnership there? The reimbursement would not be required. Okay. Very right. good. Well, we're going to take a short break. We'll be back here in a minute, and we're talking with Mindy Rush Chipman, and she's the director of the Lincoln Lancaster Commission on Human Rights, so don't go anywhere. We're continuing our conversation here with Mindy Rush Chipman, and she is the current director of the Lincoln Lancaster County Commission on Human Rights. And in the first half of the show, we talked about a landlord training that's coming up this Thursday, 1 to 3 p.m. at City Hall in room 304 which is the, um, the commission's office, is that correct? And that's at uh, 555 South 10th Street in, this, in the, Link, the Lincoln Lancaster County uh, city offices there. So that's a good training. It's open to landlords. It's open to anybody, isn't it, Mindy? It is open to anyone, really geared towards landlords, yeah. property managers, you know, folks that are working. People in, in the business, housing. sure, yes. absolutely. So. Kurt, you had a question I think you were cooking up here for the beginning of the second half. Well, yeah, well, well it's more of a uh, base question, I believe. I have this sneaky suspicion that over the last eight years that there's been more smaller landlords that have come into being a landlord, whether it be through the result of the last great recession or just wanting to invest or with an aging population turning over, the, those housing are coming open or even those persons flipping houses and selling houses. Of those persons that are receiving complaints, what's their average unit size holdings? Are they large landlords, small landlords, little guys? What do you think? That's a really good question. And under the Fair Housing Act, there are some exceptions. So if it's a smaller unit and the landlord lives in one of the units and there's four or less bedrooms, um, that property is exempt from the Fair Housing Act restrictions. Now, not, that doesn't mean that discrimination is allowed. It just only... You're only talking about some of those specific 
classes, but that's right. So, so explain the difference because I know the the exemptions would be um, the landlord has a little bit more leeway to make decisions regarding the rental and the terms of conditions regarding the tenants. However, any uh, property um, that is being advertised for rental cannot make any discriminatory statements whatsoever. Um, so regardless of the size of the of the properties or how many units, the discriminatory statements are prohibited under the Fair Housing Act. But the decision about who to rent to for somebody that's living in that small, say, duplex or threeplex, that they could make a decision internally to themselves based on a factor that maybe is protected otherwise. That's right. And really my best advice for landlords that might find themselves in those very limited exceptions is give my office a call and we can go over that. And that number would be? So the number for the Lincoln Commission on Human Rights is 402-441-8691. Okay. Well, I can't imagine a landlord, if they want to rent a place and they have a good qualified person, that they would consider anything other than their financial qualifications. So... Hopefully that's not something that we see a lot. I agree. Okay. Well, um, one of the things that has been kind of been talked about and has been of concern to people in in my business uh, over the last couple of years are conversations about disparate impact. Can you kind of talk about what that is and how it plays into your, your uh, organization's concerns? I think the best way for me to wrap my head around disparate impact, and Lynn, you might have a better example, but it's something, it's an act that are, that's taken um, that might be allowed under, under the Fair Housing Act. For example, um, asking questions about criminal history, for example, in a way that's allowed under the Fair Housing Act. But in doing so, there is a um, negative impact towards a certain group of persons with a shared protected class. Um, So if asking this question that's allowed about criminal history has a very negative impact regarding a certain ethnic racial minority group, then that would show that there's disparate impact to that housing activity that's negatively affecting a protected class. Yeah, I think that's a a good example. The one I'm familiar with is maybe not renting to felons is a blanket policy where, you know, most people... Or well, not most, but people that commit felonies, um, you know, there are there are a lot more folks that are of a minority racial makeup in in jail for felonies than than maybe some others. So it's not representative of the of the split in the in the population. So I know, and just just to explain what we're doing differently than we used to do, because we used to kind of have a no felony policy, but we have changed that to be very specific and say we will not rent to registered sex offenders, people that have a history with violent crimes or dealing drugs and get very specific into the crimes rather than just say felonies because that you know is too broad a brush. So we're being, being very specific about who we will and who we will not consider as far as uh, potential renters. I think that's a great change to implement and I, and I uh, hope that other landlords or property managers would move along the same lines. Sure, because our job is to try and rent to people, not to turn people down. I mean, right. that's, that's our, our objective is to find good, good people that will, and maybe they you know, have had some run-ins in the past and maybe it's a long time ago and those sorts of things you know, maybe ought to be 
um, considered in, in the context of someone's ability to pay and their willingness to have a good record recently. Go ahead. Sure. So I'm just going to keep along that line and go from there. So on this idea of disparate impact, both of you are really knowledgeable about you know non-homeless special needs, uh, special subpopulations. But if a person want to attend this training or learn more about that, how would he or she or they learn more about this? I mean, this just seems like it's a something that you should really know or, or at least be fully engaged in. Especially if you're if you're in the business of being a landlord or property manager, it's your responsibility to know the ins and outs of the Fair Housing Act in addition to how it impacts our sure. communities and special populations. Yeah. Well, you know, when I first got in the business many, many years ago, I was completely ignorant about all these different issues, including the fair housing laws. And one of the best things that ever I did was to join a landlord association and get some training and get some exposure to all the different types of things that I needed to know about and reading and getting involved with, you know, looking at YouTube videos and blogs. and, and <laughs> Yeah, look. it works, though. I mean, there's a lot of information out there, especially if you're trying to, you know, learn more about the particular industry. And I know for realtors, for example, they have to take an ethics class and, and fair housing training as part of that licensing process. So it's uh, something that in the realtors uh, world that they certainly know about and, and get a lot of training. So if you're a landlord or if you're uh, not involved with an organization, I recommend that you do that and certainly seek out information and education uh, because it's really important to know, you know what people's rights are and what your own rights are. You mentioned uh, earlier, Mindy, that, that you also want to or have or can provide training for renters and other people that are not necessarily in the business. How does that work? Do you contact are you uh, organizations or people that are involved with uh, maybe a renter advocacy groups, those sorts of folks? How do you do training in that way or do you? We do. So on a regular basis, we collaborate with Lincoln Housing Authority as well as RentWise and some other um, associations that promote the rights of tenants and community members regarding their fa fair housing rights. But if there is another organization or a group of people, um, whether it be like a church organization or um, homeowners association, I mean, who you name it, if it's somebody that wants to know more about the ins and outs of fair housing, particularly here in Lincoln, um, our organization, the Lincoln Commission on Human Rights, can, can help facilitate that. Do you ever uh, interact with the public school system for maybe high school seniors that are going out into the world to learn about what's going on? On? We do. We actually um, hopefully touch every single LPS graduate by going into their take charge class that is a required class um, before graduating through the Lincoln Public School System. Very good. Well, that that's great training. I know that um, and I'm involved with RentWise. You mentioned RentWise. And so it's one of those things that <clears throat> we've always talked about with our organization that uh, we wish that we could get the message out about how to be a good renter and learn about what's going on in the world for young people, whether it be in college or high school, yeah. or at some point when they're just learning how to be, you know, on their own and out there trying to find a place to rent, they should be aware of their rights and and uh, be aware of what's, uh, what's required on the part of people in the business. Sure. So from my understanding, well, backing up one, I've enjoyed the conversation. I think this training coming up on Wednesday will be a great resource for those persons who are new or just need a refresher. But going to a higher level and, and then looking at how you do your work, 
you're a complaint-driven system, aren't you? Meaning that you don't go out and do testing per se. That's actually a great point, Kurt. So we did just receive a grant from HUD where we are able to engage in some testing here in Lincoln. What this specific grant is going to allow us to do is to test um, over the phone and also in person um, about 15 different tests we'll do in the next year here in Lincoln. And what testing is, is just... um, or an organization that's certified by HUD to conduct fair housing testing will have uh, potential tenants try to inquire and or apply for housing here in Lincoln. And based upon uh, the response, um, they'll report back to us um, so we can determine whether or not housing discrimination has occurred or potentially occurred. Sure. So so 15 across a rental household population of 48,000 with probably a number of landlords, uh, management organs, groups doing that, being a much smaller number. 15 seems just like, seems like just a first glance, and maybe even the first page of a novel. How many tests would you like to do in a year if you had the money? How, how many tests do you think would be appropriate and reasonable across a five-year period? Well, I think testing's not going to solve the problem. If I, you know, ran the zoo, I would really <laughs> encourage us to put efforts in education and outreach. Because like we mentioned before, usually the housing discrimination allegations are not from a place of bad intent. Um, it's just not from uh, having the education needed to move forward. So the testing, I think, is an, imp- an important piece um, to get to situations where complainants don't feel comfortable reporting to us, but I don't think it's the end-all be-all. So to answer your question, I'm not really sure what the number would be. Of course, it would be more than 15, but um, I think it's a great start. And letting landlords know that testing is happening, Mm -hmm. I think, is also another way to encourage them to obtain that education they need. And maybe my question is for Lynn that you could help with this. Lynn, being a landlord, um, there's landlords that just aren't connected. What's the best way to reach out to them, to find them? Oh, that's a, that's a big challenge. I mean, in different, different efforts that I've been involved with, trying to contact landlords about fire safety training or whatever else, uh, there are only, you know, a handful of people that are, are in the organizations that are out there, Rioma and, and through the realtors and such. So there's a lot of landlords in Lincoln that are not connected in any way to organizations that would pass along information like the one, the stuff that we're talking about tonight. It's an important thing, thing to know. So uh, one way is through the Building and Safety Department. All the uh, units in Lincoln that are three-unit three, three unit buildings or greater in size have to be licensed. So building and safety is a great way to disseminate information. But that leaves a lot of folks that are out there with single-family homes and duplexes that um, aren't necessarily going to be uh, in the loop as far as some of this information. So, Mindy, we want to give you one more opportunity to tell people how to contact your organization and, and to get more information about what you do before we uh, wrap up the show. Thanks, Lynn. Um, so our number again is 402-441-8691. Anyone who answers the phone should be able to help you. But we also have um, an email address, a generic email address, but you can also email me directly. Uh, M. Rush Chipman, R-U-S-H-C-H-I-P-M-A-N at lincoln.ne.gov. 
And one more time, our next fair housing training that's specifically geared towards housing providers is this Thursday, August 22nd from 1 to 3 p.m. And if you are interested in uh, attending that training, go ahead and give us a call again, 402-441-8691. All right, Mindy Rush Chipman, thank you very much. Thank you. And thank you for serving our community.